it's time to take off on the Award Travel 101 podcast. Helping you maximize your travel rewards, no matter your destination or budget. Now here are your hosts, Award Travel 101 Community Managers, Angie Sparks and Joseph Petrovic, to help you do extraordinary things on Ordinary Money. Are you looking to get more bang for your buck or travel rewards? In this week's podcast, I'm joined by a youthful member of the award travel community who, despite his age and inability to get his own credit cards, displays an abundance of passion for award travel. John is just 16, and he reached out to me to discuss topics that aren't as sexy as many of the business and first-class aspirational flights and hotels you may hear us share. But it's how most, including me, got their start. And it's almost exclusively how I book domestically. Economy. Yes, we're going to get into some of the best tips to book budget carriers, how to save, and use miles and points for outsized value on domestic hops. And we'll jump into that right after this. When it comes to award travel, earning points is easier than redeeming them for the best value. Rather than spending hours per trip searching on your own, let Thrifty Traveler Premium's Army of Flight Analysts do the work for you with their customized premium alerts. Since we're seeing award space to more locations than we've seen in years, you will know that you have a partner you can trust watching out for you and that you're getting a great deal every single day from Thrifty Traveler's premium alert service. Whether using miles or points, or you're just looking for a cheap cash flight, Thrifty Traveler Premium will send customized alerts just for you. Just recently, with the help of Thrifty Traveler's Premium Alerts, I was able to book the brand new Japan Airlines A350-1000 in business class to Tokyo for just 60,000 American Advantage miles and $5.60. I've booked previous alerts like Emirates Business Class from Milan on the A380 for 73,000 points, Iberia Business Class to Venice for 34,000 points, and business class on ETAS, or you might recognize it as ITA, brand new A330-900neo for 54,000 points from Rome to New York City. So if you want more premium deal award alerts sent straight to your inbox, head on over to thriftytraveler.com and use promo code AT10 for $10 off your first year and tell us where you're hoping Thrifty Traveler Premium will take you. And we're back for episode 56 of the Award Travel 101 podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Petrovic, and my co-host, Angie Sparks, is off today. But we have a special guest in John Ryan, and he has some interesting things to discuss in budget and family travel. So, hey, John, thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, thank you for having me on. It was uh, interesting because I don't always get people reaching out to me to join the podcast and say, hey, I've got something interesting to share. So we usually just kind of decide on a topic and go from there. But let me introduce you to the Award Travel 101 podcast listeners and community. For those of them that may not know who you are, you are active in our community. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this. So I originally started mainly like we, as a family, we used to just travel like periodically to see my grandparents, simple relatives like that. But eventually I kind of got interested in like being able to travel like to all 50 states. That was like my original goal. And for that goal, we were primarily just using sites such as Hotwire, Priceline, stuff like that that don't offer a lot of elite benefits. And then we later on switched to like Hilton Honors, Marriott, and that's been a great jump 
for sure. So you have a little bit different start in this than many, and you're kind of an award travel overachiever because there aren't too many people probably jumping into this space at uh, your age. I don't know if you're even eligible to get at your own first credit card yet. Are you there yet or you're pretty close? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm 16. So I've got two years left. And then I have, I just got two like authorized user cards, like one Chase, one Amex. So that's where I'm at for now. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, again, an overachiever here. You're 16 yeah. years old. My, my kids, I actually have a 17 year old. He's on the spectrum. So He's not getting his own credit cards or authorized user cards. I'm not even sure I trust him to, to mess with a credit <laughs> card yet, but we'll get there eventually. And like I said, it's interesting to me when I see somebody talking about this kind of stuff, especially at your age, because I didn't get started in this until I was nearly 40 myself. So <laughs> you've got a huge head start on me. I, I look at so many things that had I understood this game way back in the day, it would have made so much more sense for me now. But like I, you said, you got, you know, started young, you got started early and you're doing a lot of cool things. So tell everybody about your, like your passion. How did you really jump into this then? So actually I can really think like Mark Osterman, I think he, he was somebody that really like kind of allowed me to like go to the next level. Like I originally, I was on his podcast around two years ago and I, I really got to know him from that. And, uh, and also Sean Coomer as well. And then from there, like I was able to, I was in a member of the MTM Diamond Group for a while. And those people really, I feel like pushed me to the next level because I was able to kind of see the different sources and hacks that they had. And that's helped me learn a lot from uh, about travel hacking stuff. And you are in the travel hacking mecca, if you want to say it as much, in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, where a lot of cool things were happening. I don't know if all of them are as quite as easy as they once were, but there were a lot of things that people could do with the MGMs. And I, I remember I actually listened to your episode. So you were on the Miles to Memories podcast a little over a year ago, as I believe it was back in January. I don't know when you recorded, but it aired back in January of 2023. And you were talking a little bit about going after, you know, Hyatt status and things like that. And there were some interesting things I, I took away from that thinking, okay, you can stay at Hyatt or you can stay in uh, MGM properties at that time. And if you happen to have a lot of status, you had your globalist status or you had your some kind of status, you could often stay at an MGM or one of the lower end properties for, you know, dollars per day. So you yeah. could ch chase status and do some cool things. So tell us a little bit about your first travels outside of the United States. So you said you, your goal was to do 50 states. Have you done those first? And then what you, what did, have you done since? So I'm at 49 states at the moment. So my last, my 49th state was North Dakota. And then that was in, January of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. And then Alaska, I'm thinking we might do like for my senior year. I'm a junior at the moment. So like okay. during, over the summer, which I'm sort of hitting that as my last state. But yeah, in terms of like overseas travel, my first trip was in 2018 when I just turned 11. My dad found a deal from Las Vegas to Copenhagen for 300 each round trips. So, wow. And it was on Virgin Atlantic. So it, yeah, it was a great first abroad experience. We went to Denmark, Sweden, UK, Ireland, Germany. It was a really awesome trip. So. Let me back that out. So 11 year, you were 11 years old for a $300 round trip. That's right around the time I started getting a little bit more serious about award travel. And they didn't do basic economy back then. So $300 yeah. <laughs> round trip from Las Vegas would have been a heck of a deal. 
Yeah. And then we, we actually got, although maybe not as good, I got in summer of 2021, we were able to fly from Las Vegas to, or not Las Vegas, San Francisco to Lisbon. That was only 300 again, but that was because of COVID. Okay. economy but at the same time basic economy during covid was like far less restrictive so <laughs> that, yeah that was like i guess the one positive about a covid I, you could say <laughs> and you said you also had a trip to dubai then yeah we went to dubai once in summer of 2021 for 10 days that was quite the adjustment even the although everybody like associates las vegas with having like a lot of heat dubai was like to the next level like having that humidity is it's something else. <laughs> I've heard uh, some of my friends who've uh, served overseas and in those areas that say that, you know, you never really understand how hot it is and how cold 90 degrees can feel at, at yeah. night when, after experiencing some of those daytime highs. So it's, it's pretty incredible that some of the planes even take off. I know that some of those temperatures, they, yeah, good point. They start getting out and they have to do those really early morning or late night departures just because of the hot temperatures they can't take off under certain circumstances so they've got to watch their weights and balances i guess like yeah i mean that's a good point i never really thought of that like for dubai and doha like their main departure banks are at like 2 a.m and yeah that's probably for during the summer when it's 110 <laughs> degrees out so <laughs> exactly so you were you said you kind of started flying when you were 11 you started doing some international travel but you actually mentioned to me in the notes here that you actually kind of got your passion as a very young child. Yeah. So like, yeah, during preschool, I was, there's a, like a teacher's aide that she kind of mentioned to me, there's like a local store in Las Vegas called the airplane shop. I've been going there for, since I was four years old, really. And they have like a lot of model airplanes, like upstairs in another room at my house. There's probably 50 or 60 different Gemini jets. They're like one, 200, one, 400 scales of like, say a Malaysia A380 or like Delta MD80, like just planes like that. Yeah, that really like got me into aviation. And then there's also like a little viewing area off of Sunset Road for the, like by the Harry Reid Airport. And that's um, that's also something that really got me into aviation. So that you said a, a viewing area. So is that something that's still there today? Yeah, it's it's complete. Like you could just go there like any day of the week. It's always open as far as I know. Um, and yeah, you can just... Right on runway two four, I think you can just see all like the whatever planes that are landing during that time. Lane, so. I know I've I've always enjoyed because a lot of the views of the places where I've stayed have had views of the airport. So I know a lot of people like the strip views instead. But like I've stayed at the MGM Signature or Virgin Hotel, any of those places, I've typically had views of the airport, and I just enjoy sitting there from my window watching the airplanes take off or land and things like that. But I didn't know there was actually a viewing spot by the airport. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's right off of Sunset Road. It's like maybe a mile or two from Mandalay Bay. But yeah, like, and that's the other thing with Vegas is we're so we're kind of lucky to have like an <laughs> airport, like just smack in the city, like right near the strip, right near everything in the valley. So it's yeah. And, and nearly everything flying in there too, from uh, Virgin Atlantic, British Airways. Yeah. Uh, you got some jumbo jets flying in and, and some cool things Euro like wings. that. Yeah. yeah. So that that's pretty cool. You said 11 was when you started getting into some international travel. You kind of got a passion uh, for air airplanes and flying when you were four. And at what point did award travel really start to play a uh, prominent position in this and, and when you started realizing that there was something more to this and, and what 
made you dig into that instead of say your parent or did they? Yeah, my dad kind of got into award travel stuff when maybe when I was seven, but it was like not to the degree that I am like currently. But yeah, like so when I was 11 or so, I kind of realized like, wait, why are we using Hotwire when we could be getting like a larger rebate in hotel rewards? And then those hotel rewards, like they weren't worth much like at the start, just because obviously you need to accumulate points right. to make a good redemption. And then during COVID, that's when we started to stay a lot in a lot of hotels, like 20, 30 nights a year. And we're, we're able to, during, after COVID and maybe like 2021 or so, we were able to start using those points for like good redemptions and whatnot. Yeah. So, so COVID would have been a, or the midway through the pandemic or so would have been a good time for you to start getting traveling because, you know, there was a lot more availability. There wasn't the crowds that there are today and and overcrowding of a lot of places. And it's just, like I said, it's something that I've always found interesting when I started jumping into it. I did, I jumped into it for the same reason as you. And it's like, how can I do more for my family? How can I travel more? How can I have better experiences? And so on and so forth. So tell me a a little bit about like some of your favorite airline programs, some of your favorite hotel programs and where you're headed to with, with all of this. Yeah. I mean, for favorite hotel programs, like a lot of people, I really enjoy World of Hyatt just mainly because of like how like affordably priced, I guess you could say their hotels are like being able to stay at say the Hyatt Regency Donning in Vietnam. It was only around 12,000 points a night. And then in addition to that being treated so well, like they just basically said, like, so I booked it for two people since it was a standard room. And then it was actually three of us going. But it, I figured if we could try to save points by just getting a standard room and maybe paying extra to the hotel to get like mm-hmm. a bigger room that fit three people. Yeah. And they just said, oh, no worries. We'll just upgrade you to a Regency suite with no <laughs> SUA. So it worked out great in that case. And you don't really get that at Hilton or Marriott. Like, it's like the reluctant, okay, we'll give you an extra hour of late checkout. We're at Hyatt. It's like, do you want your 4 p.m. late checkout? Are you sure? Like, it's such a different experience at Hyatt. And backing up for any listeners who might not know what an SUA is. Oh, it's a like a sweet upgrade award. You get it at 40, 40, am I 40 or 50? You definitely get them at 50. I think the yeah. program changed the for this year, and there's you may be eligible for one at 40. Uh, there's two at 50, two at 60, and uh, there are now options at 70, 80, 90, 100 to pick those or some points or some new milestone option. So they've changed a whole bunch of this stuff around. And I haven't focused enough on it because I'm like, okay, I'll start worrying about it as I get closer there. So not a hundred percent keyed in on all the changes for 2024, just the ones that really impact me. But so Hyatt, is that a status? And actually, let me back up a step because I'm going to go back to something that I remember you had mentioned previously is that you have your own built-in little thing that'll help you down the road between you and your dad. Yeah, indeed. We're not sure the exact same name, like same middle name, same last name, obviously same first name as well. So that just basically allows us to like, like for in the case of MGM rewards, I guess hot, the hotel chains don't really ask for your date of birth, but since it's just great to be able to like say, check it, it it's, I guess, let me back up. Maybe it's not. Yeah. I wouldn't say that it's good in the case of MGM and I, but maybe it's better or more in the fact that like we can just accumulate elite nights for like if my mom and I are traveling together, 
it's under like if we check in a foreign country, they see, oh, John Ryan's on the passport. My dad's just not here. We'll just say that or whatever. But then if he's traveling with me, it works out as well. So it's uh, it's a win win in both cases. <laughs> yeah. So way to stack up the 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 nights there. I guess I I know of one other person who ha- he and his father share the exact same name, and it's something that you know it's not not it kind of falls a fringy thing there, a fringe area thing, but it's something that they can kind of play off one another. So you have all these different programs you've gotten into, you've really kind of gotten into Hyatt and it's something that your your folks and stuff, they carry status or is this even of consideration anymore? Or is it something you're just kind of, hey, it works for me because it's cheap on points and maybe we get some sweet upgrades and stuff if we get there, but is that of importance to you today? I guess it's it's hard to say like i guess in i guess i'm going to say i'm kind of a mess of them in terms of like my current strategy i would say high globalist we want to like keep for as long as that we could possibly obtain it hilton honors that status is going to be dropping off i think and then i think i'm going to have my mom get a marriott brilliant card just that way we can have platinum status it's it's good to have hyatt and then that other chain which might be hilton might be ihg it just depends on like what fits you best so I think we'll figure that out from there. Yeah, I was an Aspire card holder and had diamond status and ran that through the pandemic. When they made a bunch of changes, I I changed that to a surpass. I did not get the bonus. I, I found myself needing the earnings more from the 6X uh, grocery store and gas station spend that had. And I knew that I was in a position where I wasn't going to be eligible for more Amex cards with the five card limit. So there wasn't anything I was willing to change at that point in time. So I didn't take the most optimal award travel strategy in canceling the card and then getting the surpass itself because it didn't make sense for me at that time. However, you know, those points do tend to do well for me. And like what you're saying here is I I did recently also product change one of my Marriott old uh, SPG Amex cards over to uh, the Bonvoy Brilliant just to retain status. And uh, I'm not too far away from lifetime status with them. Nice. Wow, that's pretty... Yeah, lifetime is somewhere that you know, I'm nowhere near, but I guess I have plenty, I guess I have plenty of time to worry about yeah, that you, stuff. You have plenty <laughs> yeah. of time to worry about that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, certainly. One of the things that it, it does help those that if you have multiple cards in these, so obviously I have a business and I, I have the business card as well as the consumer card. So... It, right off the bat with the Bonvoy Brilliant, even though it already gives you platinum status, I'm also getting 40 elite qualifying nights every single year to go along with that. So 40 elite qualifying nights. And I think you need, what is it, 400 or 600? I can't remember. Yeah, which, something like that. Yeah. So maybe it's 600 nights at, over a course of 10 years. So if you're platinum status every single year and then you get 600 nights, then you can retain lifetime platinum status and I'm like four years away. So now that's something that you can kind of, you know, make yourself faster path there just by holding the right sets of cards. So tell me a little bit to go along with that card strategy. What are we working on now? So I guess, again, I'm, I'm not in a great place in terms of uh, credit card related stuff. So my dad, he's, I've kept him at 024 for basically one or two years. And mm-hmm. he's just been able to, he like does have a real law business that like it's completely his own. And so he does, he's able to generate a lot of spend. Like he can hit a 15K yeah. offer like without, without the use of any sort of alternative methods. Right. Sure. I'll leave it at that. 
And then, yeah, I've just been able to keep him there. And then for my mom, I've been able to keep her at 324. And I think I will get her a billion soon, which that, so she dropped off to 224 and she's currently got a uh, Chase Sapphire Preferred, which that's been a really useful card for just having like travel insurance at the basics, mm-hmm. but also like having like a $50 hotel credit. That's for a $95 card. That's pretty good. And then she's also got the Marriott Brilliant card will serve as like her new lounge card. Since okay. I did recently close her Hilton Aspire card, similar to you with all the benefit changes stuff. So does a brilliant have lounge access? I thought it was only the yeah. Ritz Carlton card had the priority pass. Yeah, I think they both do, but Ritz has more like it's like the best priority pass card because of the fact right. that it gets like unlimited, unlimited authorizers. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I guess I'm a I, I have the CSR and and multiple, multiple platinums and business platinums. So that's never something I've really looked at. And that was certainly not a thing. I, I guess I'll have to go back and look at some of the perks of that card because I don't recall that particular benefit. But yeah, there's a lot of things that these things you can do and keeping your dad at 024 certainly keeps him eligible for any card pretty much Chase has to offer. So that's that's nice yeah. to uh, do that and uh, generate those points whenever you are looking for a new bonus. Let's head on over to some of your highlights and uh, where you're heading to next then. So this coming weekend, I'm supposed to go to Phoenix just to go check out, or not Phoenix, sorry, Prescott, to go check out like Embry-Riddle University. It's a like an aeronautical school, so I'm thinking of becoming a pilot when I grow up potentially. So that's it's something that I've always wanted to do, and I guess it, even since I was four. And so that's a great school for that. And then also, too, the next big trip I have coming up is going to be over spring break. We're supposed to go to New Zealand for Earth. only like five days, which... It's very much unfortunate. I'd like to spend longer, but school gets in the way of that. Well, you're going to New Zealand for five days, and I'm going to Sydney, Australia for two. So Okay, I'm better than you are. You're Sydney <laughs> for that. Yeah. You're, you've got, got a nice long stay, whereas uh, yeah. you know, I'm about a month from now. In fact, as this airs, less than a month from now. I'm leaving on a Friday. I get there on a Sunday, and I'm heading home on a Tuesday and getting home on a Tuesday. Nice. <laughs> at least you'll, yeah, at least you'll, those two days, you, I'm sure you'll be packing a lot of stuff in. Yeah. Things to do. And yeah, I'm going to do as much as I can in Sydney. I've had a lot of great suggestions in the award travel 101 community. And some people have made some definite comments on t- different things that were possible. Probably just going to hit a couple of highlights. And then I happen to know that one of my team members will be there at the same time as me, as well as uh, a couple of Award Travel 101 community members. So I certainly hang nice. out with them for a few of the evenings and before heading back. But, you know, five days is short for most people. Two days is probably even shorter. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. You said that it was a very convenient deal, too. I, I'm tr- yeah. I was trying to understand it, and I didn't quite make sense of it. So as usual, the... No, no good deal comes with uh, logical routings, I guess you could say. So it's, it was 700 bucks to a basic economy from via Vancouver and Air Canada. Okay. So it was a really good price. Okay. I was just looking at like maybe going to Lima, Peru somewhere a little bit closer. Um, <laughs> but I was looking on Google flights for spring break and I'm like, wait a second, when are you going to ever see $700 again for Auckland? Like no positioning necessary, leave right after school. It doesn't get better than that for routing. So, so we did it and yeah. And you're, and you also are doing some study abroad. Yeah. So later on in June, I'm supposed to be going to like my mom and I are going to fly out together. We're going to fly into Tokyo and then go to Hong Kong and Macau. And then she's going to fly home and I'm going to spend three weeks in Japan, in Tokyo doing like I'm supposed to teach 
English to like Japanese high school and elementary students, spend like a weekend with the local family, do activities like that. So I'm really looking forward to that trip as well. And do you speak Japanese? Yeah. So basically, like, I don't know a lot of Japanese, if, if any, just like basically the basics. And I've never been there before, but I do know some Chinese, which helps with like the character structures, like mm-hmm. how you draw, the like write out the characters, all that stuff helps out a lot. So cool. Cause I know none of that. And I've got to learn a little bit of Japanese and Korean to get around when I go this summer. So hopefully it's something. And I understand that in the bigger cities that it, it, you can typically get around with no, no uh, foreign understanding, but I, th- I think it's just kind of polite to learn a little bit about the yeah. you know, language and the culture. They certainly speak our language a lot better than we speak theirs. <laughs> we do. So, yeah. So it's uh, something, you know, that is something I've got to work on myself. Talking about travel style, and I think we're going to get into this a little bit into the topic. So we'll start out, tell us a little bit about how you're typically traveling. So just mainly, I guess it's a, like a lot of my travels are thanks to Google Flights, I feel like, and just being able to like look at the flexible search functions and stuff like that. And yeah, like just it's basically economy or nothing, like, I guess you could say. Like everywhere I've been, except for like I did go to Israel last year and we were able to buy premium economy on the return. And then on the way back from Lisbon over Christmas break, we did get a really good deal on Air Canada for it was only 50 bucks each for Toronto to Vegas. So that was well worth it. But besides these like bio buffers, it's economy for us. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that uh, is a perfect transition into our highlight feature. And so much of the Award Travel 101 community is about bettering your travels and and traveling for less. And there's a lot of focus on aspirational. But when you proposed this topic to me, I I thought it's great because it's really where I, I started. And I think it's where the majority of award travelers will spend their time as much as we want to talk about business and first class budget and family travel is really, you know, at the core of all of this. And there are still tons of ways to, to save when you're, you're traveling this way. And some of it may start with budget carriers. There are miles and points, tips and tricks that you can use to save, but let's start there. Where, where do you want to start, John? Like, I, I guess, so I guess to start, like, one of the reasons that we do fly a lot of economy is since I do go to school and then my mom's also a counselor, so we have like similar schedules. What that does mean is, is like we're stuck with like the peak summer season, the peak Christmas season. And then in addition to that, like they're, I guess they're, they're against, they're, yeah, they're someone against like using alternate ways to rack up spend, shall we say. And so because of that, we've been able, we've just been focusing on economy travel and, and I mean, it's been, you just suck it up and you still get to go to these (laughs) great places. So it's. It works out, I guess, in the end, but it's tight at 6.2. I'm a, a bit shorter than you, so I even feel a little bit of the knee crunch as I start sitting in the back of the bus. But, you Spirit. know, it, it, spirit's the worst. Uh, <laughs> they, they are the absolute worst. I don't understand how they have the same seat pitch as Frontier Airlines, and yet Frontier seats I can manage just fine. And I think the very first time I flew Spirit was maybe 2017. And when my my little kids, who were tiny at the time, couldn't get out of the seats and and Ooh. struggled, I was like, "This this is just not right." And I, if I'm going to fly Spirit ever again, it's it's the big seat or nothing. So that's that's kind yeah. of the motto I've stuck with. So tell us a little bit about your budget travels, and we'll move on from there. Um, yeah, for sure. So I it's only been in the past like year or so that I've really gotten into like the budget travel stuff. So. 
I mean, t- we used to fly them maybe three, four years ago. And my dad, my dad's taller than me. He's six, four. And those like frontier, your average seats, the same with spirit, those seats are pretty rough and miserable for somebody <laughs> his height. Um, so because of that, he's kind of like written off those airlines. And then I would say about a year ago, spirit came out with that uh, status match for, it was only a hundred bucks for, uh, to match like a hotel status to the spirit gold status. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was, that proved to be really useful. Like you can, fly across the country with a free carry-on bag, free check bag, and get an exit row. So that's really good. And then also, too, we flew to San Antonio last year, and we were able to get, like, just a gate agent just simply upgraded us to exit row seats, like, completely free, just being nice. And, like, we were like, wait, this really isn't that bad. So I think those things have really gotten us back to budget travel. Yeah, the budget travel is really where I got my start in this whole space. And I, I really knew Frontier in and out. They were a heavy carrier. They're, they're the second biggest carrier out of my home airport, which is Cleveland Hopkins. And they are growing in Cleveland Hopkins. As a matter of fact, they are opening a hub there. So they are going to make a real push at trying to dethrone United, which has long held that space after absorbing Continental Airlines back in the 2011-ish, 2012 era or so. And they have been, you know, really good for my family because I didn't ever feel like I could afford to travel on the mainline carriers, you know, as I got started. I, I was happy to fly two, three, four hundred dollars for my entire family. And I, I say, you know, during some of these status match opportunities, I remember the very first time I flew after, you know, I spent 11 months on the ground during the pandemic. And then when I first flew, it was $10.91 per person to fly my entire family. With status, I was able to fly up front, carry bags, do whatever I needed. And it was like less than $44 to fly us one way from Florida to, to Cleveland. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, like in, if you're able to book these flights at the airport, also, that's another like really important tip for these low-cost low cost airlines. Like, it's twenty. I think Frontier and Spirit on most tickets that are above like 40, 50 bucks, they charge a $23 carrier interface charge and you can get that, you can avoid that fee by working at the airport. So like, for example, my dad and I were able to go to San Diego in October for I think $40 for the both of us. Like that's literally cheaper than probably driving is with how like the cost of gas and stuff like that. So it's, it's amazing what these airlines offer. Any of the uh, budget carriers. So you, you mentioned that there's, you can do that with Spirit. Frontier and Allegiant. So those are the three budget carriers. And I, I thought I and heard Breeze. somebody say Breeze too, but I, I yeah. haven't I haven't seen I of course Breeze is so limited in my area. I, I have to go yeah. to my regional airport and they fly so infrequently even out of there to try to catch an agent at the desk is nearly impossible unless you're actually going to fly. So but there if you have a significant amount of people you're traveling with, if you're traveling with three, four, five, six people. At 20 bucks each way, or, you know, sometimes more, 23, 24. I think I've seen some of them even as high as $25. You know, you, you got six people you're going with. That's 25 times six is $150 each way just by booking it ahead of time. So you book a round trip, you save 300 bucks. A lot of things you can do with 300 bucks. Yeah. And also, too, like with those airlines, like I wanted to go check out Purdue. Like we're planning some summer trips and I wanted to check out Purdue University as well since they offer like good aviation programs. On the way back, we're flying Frontier from Chicago. And I learned that by adding a stopover, it's $23 per person per segment. And Frontier's 
pretty bad, I would say, for schedule changes. Pretty good, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> so, yeah, in that case, like they fly nonstop as well from Chicago Midway, but I intentionally scheduled like a six hour layover in Phoenix. If not, we'll see some friends of ours. But if, if we can get it schedule changed, we'll save that $23 times two and fly it. Yeah. Whatever fly it either way. Yeah. Now, there's some cool things you can do definitely with budget carriers and everybody complains and says, oh, I don't ever want to fly Spirit, Frontier or Allegiant, you know, and I, to be honest, to this day, I still haven't flown Allegiant. They used to be one of the worst on time and performance carriers, but they've replaced all those old planes now. And I hear they're much better today. It's just, it's something that it's probably a mind thing I need to get over with and, and be able to just go out and book one because they do have some convenient options out of my area, but it's, not as convenient as what you have from Las Vegas. Yeah, we're lucky being in Las Vegas for sure. It's like the low-cost ca- carrier capital of the U.S. We can do free agents or be like lo- loyal to one airline or whatever. Yeah, and also too, I feel like the reason that I haven't flown an Allegiant as much is just because of the fact that they don't have that elite status that Frontier and Spirit have. So Yeah, the one thing about Spirit status that kind of caught me off guard is, you know, having been used to and, and starting with Frontier status is that they don't carry over to any other passengers on your your records. So when I went to book the first one and found out, hey, my wife doesn't, you know, get this, I was like, wait a minute, hold up. She's gold, spirit gold too. So why isn't and then I found out, hey, this doesn't apply to passengers. And for whatever reason, there was some kind of mess up in the application status that I didn't catch. And one of the numbers had been left off her spirit account. So they they applied gold status to an account that didn't exist. Lucky them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We got it, we got it yeah. fixed eventually, but it was, it was just something like frontier status, at least from the highest, which is now diamond, used to be called 100K status. You could apply that to every single person on your reservation. So is that the same with the old uh, 50K or now platinum status? It is. Yeah. Like I can, my dad gets a, I guess you could say sort of, because my dad does get a free check bag of carry on bag and then he gets free seat selection, but the stretch seating, he only gets those at check-in. So it's partially different, but yeah. So And the works package is what really makes the diamond or old 100K status so valuable to me because you can basically cancel for a full refund up to 24 hours out from your flight. So Which, if you, yeah. <laughs> you want to book all these different flights and as long as you cancel them 24 hours out, you get a full cash refund back to your original form of payment. And, you know, there's definitely opportunities there, you know, for cheap flights. You know, it's something, like I said, those $10 flights I was able to do again, that was during the pandemic. So it's not, you're not going to see the $10 flights, but Maybe you'll see a $30 or $50 or $70 flight. Still better than spending fifteen or 20,000 miles on any airline. Yeah. And also too, like, I'm just kind of curious to know this. Have you ever, have you considered ever getting that go wild pass? I did. I've looked at it a number of times. And, and for my particular use, because I'm so non-loyal in a general sense, you could say, how do you be non-loyal and have status in so many different airlines? You know, there's credit cards for that. You know, we're spending our way through credit cards. And so I've looked at the Go Wild Pass and there are certain people it certainly makes sense for, you know, somebody who's looking to travel internationally, they've got 10 days to make their choice. So if they're flying internationally on Frontier, then then it might make 
a lot of sense to have that or somebody who is flying a ton and knows that, hey, on the 330 some days that aren't blacked out, I can use these on this amount yeah. of time. There, There's definitely a clientele and I have many members of our group who have it and love it. It just doesn't make sense for me. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think it's great for some people and others. It's not not as useful for us. And, and I guess we should tell listeners who may not be familiar with what the Go Wild Pass is, is that it's basically an unlimited pass to fly Frontier Airlines. And they have a, a preset charge. I think uh, people could have bought it. A year. At, I, it just depends on their yeah, sales. When you buy and, it, yeah. They try to say it's like $2,000 full price, but it's generally, no. you can typically find it between $499 and $699, I believe. And then it's like what you pay a penny or something for each oh, flight. Oh, uh, fourteen ninety one, $14.91 for, it's like a one cent base fare plus like various taxes. Some, some that, kind of taxes. So, yeah. yeah so they, they call it unlimited fly free, but it's not really fly free and entirely. But if you're going to fly them a lot, I mean, you can do this. The only challenge is, is that you can't book until the day ahead for domestic flights. And then, yeah, also too, I was at the Chicago Summers, which is another thing. Like if you're new into miles and points, I highly recommend going to like the award travel meetups or like the Chicago seminars. There is somebody there that talked about the Go Wild Pass stuff. And he was saying that for international flights, it's not nearly as useful because a lot of times there's higher taxes on these tickets, on Go Wild Pass tickets than there are for cash. Like you just buying them. So it's... Yeah, no, especially because Frontier is not flying far out. They're flying to the Caribbean and Mexico. And those are the places where outside of flying into London are one of the higher taxes for international or flights that are considered international. So, yeah, there's definitely things to watch out for there. You know, it's something that can work for some. It's not going to work for me. Sounds like it's not going to work for you either. Uh, tell us yes. a little bit about Southwest. Does that play in any part of your family or budget travel? And so also recently, I just did like the A-list status match, which it might sound a bit of an odd idea to do just because like it's three months and I had no intentions of actually like hitting the the required uh, tier or whatever requirements. But it was I have a I had a group reservation for it was 20 people for my school's like science club. I basically did all the booking. I did all the hotels reservation stuff. And I decided that it would, it would actually make a lot of sense to just get this status just for the fact that I could board early and try to like maybe save a row or two for school people Uh-oh. that were coming along with me. You're going to get the, the Southwest uh, Travel crowd groups. all, all, yeah. all <laughs> upset of you. You're trying to save r- rows here. Yeah, I guess it, it was just a bunch <laughs> of teenagers. So I guess it's hard to, it's hard to, hard to complain. Right. But yeah, I mean, besides that, the Southwest does offer a lot out of Vegas. Like it's like, I feel like Vegas is like the low cost carrier capital of the U.S. besides like maybe Orlando. So it's definitely proved to be useful for like Southern California hops, maybe to go to Chicago or like Texas. So yeah, it's a great airline for sure. And then what are some of your other budget tips and tricks? Um, I mean, I think booking at the airport is definitely very useful in the case of like Frontier and Spirit. And I guess I will say that as much as they're hard to accrue, Frontier and Spirit points do seem to have some, at least Frontier seem to have some useful like sweet spots. Like I think the fact that they still do have a fixed award chart is something that yeah. it can't be said about other airlines. So I think if you can kind of explore that and like, maybe book 60 days out because I think I know they charge award booking fees if you do it closer in. So if you can do something like that, there's a chance that you might be able to get a lot of use out of your frontier points if you can accrue them. 
And if you have the status, there is no uh, additional charge for booking early, booking late. So for the diamond status or the old 100K status, it, there's no additional fees for whenever you book. So if you book it, you know, two days out or, or as far out as their calendar, which is typically anywhere between four and eight months, let's say that's when they yeah. typically open their calendars. You can, you can book it without those fees. So that's one of those things that I definitely have paid attention to because, you know, it, it does make sense. And I can say that their points aren't terribly valuable. I mean, yes. every redemption I've looked at is under a cent a piece. But if you were buying them at least prior to 2024, they used to earn miles by flown distance. So you could actually kind of rack up the, the miles reasonably well, even if you had a really, you know, a $10 fare, you could still earn a thousand you know, plus yeah. miles. So, but yeah, that's my problem. Like with Spear, and I, I barely have like, I have 2,400 miles maybe, which is enough for a one way to like San Diego. But that's the thing. Cause we fly these tickets that we book at the airport with one cent base fares. <laughs> and it's like 10 X for that versus 20 X for like incidentals, so like a carry on bag. I have no points like at all to, to use. So that's something to keep in mind as well. So you have a couple of the other ones that I've listed for myself here just to kind of cover some of the miles and points side of things, but you have American Virgin and British Airways. Yeah. So those are like programs that I've been able to like redeem recently. I don't do redemptions that are a bit complicated with like peak season and stuff like that. So, but yeah, American, I've been, we've been using a lot recently for, I was originally supposed to go to Washington DC, I think later this month. But just being able to fly for seven and a half thousand miles for a lot of the, their destinations is pretty incredible. So it's a great program, I think. No, I think there are a lot of ways that members can get great value out of these carriers. And I have listed a couple of them for people to check out as certainly JetBlue, True Blue program. And you can uh, move your Chase Ultimate Rewards there one to one. With Amex, it's not quite one to one. I think it's it's seventy five percent or it's eighty percent. So it's point one to point eight or one to point seven five. I can't remember the exact. So I'd have to go back and look at the chart. So Chase is a better transfer partner if you're looking to do that that way. Effectively, their awards are tied to the cash price of the tickets. So if you're looking at anything typically under one hundred and thirty bucks, you're looking at ten thousand miles or less. I've seen some that you know, vary a little bit. You might find it for 8,900 miles or something, and it's $139. So it's generally in that 1.3 cents per mile for their typical blue economy options. And they still have, while they're less differentiated than they once were, they still have one of the biggest standard legrooms of any U.S. carrier. Southwest is close behind that. And then, of course, all the other carriers are on a race to the bottom. But you yes, can definitely agree. do with uh, Southwest is the same. They are a cash-based rewards program. Typically, they, they have a formula, which I used to be when I first started. I think it was like for every, it was for every dollar that was covered, you needed 70 points. I think it's now up to 82 or 84, which makes it right around, again, 1.3 cents per point. So there are times where it might make more sense to, to use like a portal at 1.5 cents if you have a Sapphire Reserve. But those are the ways you can find those. If, if you're finding cheap fares, you, you might find cheap points bookings. How about United? Do you have any hick, hacks for United? Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, so United and JetBlue, I feel like they don't have a great offering in Las Vegas. Like, 
United, we don't really go to their hubs like to visit places that much. And then JetBlue just, it's LA, New York, or Boston as far as I know that they serve. But yeah, like United, it's doing the like Turkish seven and a half thousand point redemption thing is something that's, that's unfortunately coming to an end this week. But it was something that I was kind of hoping to use and take advantage of. But I do plan to do something similar with Light Miles in the near future and explore those programs. Yeah, there's a, a pretty cool thing with Aeroplan and uh, the Award Wallet blog just published a post with almost seven, six, seven hundred different routes you could book with uh, Aeroplan for just 6,000 miles. If you're booking anything under 500 miles, you can book it on Aeroplan for just 6,000 miles, whereas United was probably going to run you anywhere in the ballpark of 15,000 miles. If you can get lucky, they do once in a while drop their awards similar to American and Delta. It's rare on occasion, and that's when their cash fares happen to fall into that sub $120 range. Then sometimes you can find the awards for, you know, eight, nine, 10,000 miles as well. But Life Miles is another one you can find in that range. So, you know, six and a half to 10,000 miles, as long as you're typically under the 1500 mile range uh, of radius of where you're going to fly. And then Turkish Miles, like you said, is was a sweet spot. You could fly anywhere in the United States for as low as 7,500 miles in economy and 12,500 miles in business if you could find it. Like you mentioned, the price is going up as of the 15th of February. But the it's not quite as bad for these, these domestic yes. particular domestic flights. If you compare it to United, say it's still going to be ten thousand miles for economy anywhere. So that's not the worst. It's a it's a thirty three percent hike, no doubt. But it's still less than what you're going to pay for United. United might charge twenty five thousand miles to Hawaii versus ten thousand Turkish miles. So yeah. you know that's still going to be a good deal and fifteen thousand miles in business if you can find it. And I happened to luck out on a trip with my son last year in September. I found a business class flight from Cleveland to Chicago that connected on a Dreamliner. And so we had live flat seats from Chicago to Los Angeles in that Polaris on the 787-10. So, you know, it's something you can still do. It's not going to be quite as cheap, but definitely options to do it less for less than what maybe United might charge. Yeah. And I think like, unfortunately, all three of those airlines, Turkish Air Canada and Life Miles, their customer support is <laughs> so far, shall we say. And yeah, like Air Canada is something to be aware of with them is that they do charge a $39 or $39 uh, partner booking fee. So just keep that in mind as well. I think like Life Miles might be better in some cases. So and it was something I noticed like last summer, we're trying to plan some lots of it stuff. There's a, a, yeah. a booking fee for Life Miles as well, but where those two programs really go awry, I've heard that the customer service is a lot better for Life Miles than it once was. So most of the reports yeah. have not been poor. It's just like if you did anything with them two years ago or more, then it wasn't great. But we're really where the problems go with these two programs, if you're booking a domestic award is that you can't cancel on demand. So with United, you cancel, you get everything refunded and redeposited with your miles. With the either Aeroplan or Life Miles, you're going to have $150 change fees and $200 cancel fees per person. So you got that 6,000 mile award, but now you have to pay $200 a person to cancel it. Probably you just walk away from it. It's not even worth you know doing. Then the only thing was I think for Air Canada, I think this is a, a hack I learned from uh, Frequent Miler recently. I think he said, like Greg said, that there's a trick where you get the latitude 
fair option on an aeroplane. And then like closer in when you think that your plans are like firmed up and you know you're going to go, then you can change down to the regular standard award and not, it doesn't require award space to still be available. There was something on that, and I do do recall what you're referencing. I don't know if that is a, a an option in this particular case. There was something unique about that. We'll have to go back and dig into what that was. But there was yeah. a there was a, a specific circumstance in which that worked, and I don't believe it's across the board. Oh, okay. So in that case, never mind. <laughs> so Delta. Delta is something that a lot of people complain about the the low value return in miles, but there are certainly great opportunities with Sky Miles. But if not Sky Miles, how about some of their partners? So I don't have that much experience with booking Delta like for with like Flying Blue or Virgin Atlantic. I have discovered recently that Sky Miles, as much as people do like to hate on them, they do offer a lot of great value in a lot of cases. Like for in May, my dad and I are going to go to Seattle and it was only, I think, 6,500 sky miles for, for one way. And I think it was basic economy, but the loophole I saw recently was that according to like the Delta customer support agent, basic economy tickets booked with sky miles don't really have cancellation fees on the website. That's unofficial. So don't count on that if that loophole ends, but it worked for mine. And in case that does need to happen. And then also too, like I was able to book over the summer from Tokyo to Hong Kong. It was only. 30,000 miles each in China Airlines business class. One of one of the segments had live flat. So I was I'm looking forward to that for sure. So there's some great value to be had, I think. Yeah, the programs are certainly the way that I always used to book these. They're, again, they've added these mileage charts now. So they used to be where it was just a flat fee. I think you could fly anywhere as long as it was a single segment on Virgin Atlantic. That's something that, again, is a negative for Virgin and British Airways as they charge per segment. But if you are yeah. in a you know place where you can fly a nonstop flight, you might be able to find a real deal on Delta using those. Typically, the longer the flight I've found is where they start to really shine against SkyMiles because the longer the flight on Delta, the more expensive it tends to get. The shorter flights, though, you might find that Delta SkyMiles actually beats these programs. It never did in the past. But today, certainly can. I've seen them as low as 5,500 sky miles and not in basic economy. We're talking about main cabin flight. So it's something you can certainly get value out of from there as well. Finally, American, we mentioned British Airways, but have you done any of the partner bookings with American? Not like not using British Airways, obviously, on American, but I have done recently, like for Christmas break, we flew from Las Vegas to Lisbon and uh, British Airways, the 850 economy. That was a pretty good experience. And it was, I think, like 40,000 miles each one way, which I know is not a great redemption. But at the same time, it was over Christmas break. So we kind of had to take what we can get um, sure. availability-wise. There is you certainly, if on short hauls, it's worth taking a look at Etihad Guest as well. And you can use your American Express points. You can use Capital One and a couple of, I think, Marriott Bonvoy, if they still do. I can't remember if they do or not. I think but, so. Yeah, they do um, a lot. So there's certainly some opportunities there. You can book those. I actually booked a one that was 6,000 miles from Cleveland to New York City. So it's otherwise with American, it was, it was a lot more expensive. I actually booked that in, in business class for 10,000 and versus American. I think it was like 15 and economy. It was like 9,000 or something. So there, there are opportunities with some of these programs you have to kind of dig into. And again, we wanted to talk about budget options. So that was certainly, you know, something of interest. 
I wanted to hop into three other things real quick here before we wrap up here. And as uh, someone who is, you know, quite a bit older than you now and uh, doesn't have the, the same viewpoint, you also started working, whether it was for others or just for yourself as a travel agent. Are you still doing that? Yeah. So if, yeah, it's for what a company called Fora. It's just basically like you're an independent contractor of sorts. And yeah, just I can, I book travel for my family. And then also in addition to that, I was able to, I'm starting to book uh, some teachers at my school and help them out with their travels, like over the summer for spring break. So yeah, if you need assistance with that, I'm happy to help. So you, you are making commissions off of your own travel and helping yeah. to sa- save some money that way. And then getting a little part-time job work from friends and family. Yeah, that's basically correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I've also seen that you started writing. You've been writing actually for a long time, but I haven't seen anything recently until you covered Fontainebleau. And so are you doing more long-term work in the writing field? Yeah, so I write for Bethany Walsh at bougiemiles.com. And I've been doing posts like it's pretty awesome. I was able to get it set up with my school where I'm able to write like during a specific period of the day. So that's been great. And I've been doing that with her since August and it's been a lot of fun. So cool. And then finally, you have a speaking engagement as well. Yeah, um, at uh, FTU, Frequent Traveler University, I'm speaking there May 3rd to the 5th. So and I'm talking about rental car stuff, which... I know, I know, I can't drive yet, but <laughs> it's it's still something that I've been getting into over the past like year or so. So, so it's amazing that you're getting into all that stuff, John. So, with that, you want to tell listeners where they might find you. You can find me over so- on social media, and in addition to that, feel free to leave me any comments on bougiemiles.com. Or if not, I can also, if you want to email me at john.ryan at foa.travel, I'd be happy to talk to you there. Cool. Well, I appreciate you joining us here on the Award Travel 101 podcast. It's always a pleasure to learn more about our members and people who are being active in the community and pushing, you know, the boundaries on award travel in their own ways. And I think uh, that's interest. It's such an interesting thing for me to see somebody who's my kid's age doing this when it's something that really I didn't even get to, like I said, until I was 40. So it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining us and sharing uh, with the community. And uh, we'll see you around. Safe travels. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) To learn more and to join in the conversation, the free 100,000 plus member Award Travel 101 community is open to all who wish to better themselves. For more intermediate and advanced strategies, check out the Award Travel 201 community, which is $89.99 annually. To learn how to better your award searches or to build a better card strategy, feel free to set up an Award Travel one-on-one appointment with one of our experienced team members. You can also email us at contactawardtravel at gmail.com with any questions. And our next meetup is located in San Antonio, Texas on April 26th through the 28th of 2024. And we've opened up a few more tickets to members. To learn more, visit Taco Bauta Fiesta on Eventbrite. And as always, please support the Award Travel 101 podcast and community with your next reward card application. Safe travels and take care.